Welcome to the Race Car Junkies podcast with your host, Peter Jones. Join us every Wednesday as we dive into all things road racing, building, and beyond. And now, here's your host, Peter Jones. Hello and welcome to another episode of Race Car Junkies. This is your host, Peter Jones. I know when I started this, I said I wasn't going to do any race recaps of the Big Boy series. I think there's already enough focused content out there. But I think I have to eat my words. 24 hours of Daytona has always been my personal Super Bowl. I've been watching this race for as long as I can remember, certainly longer than I've been racing cars. The 24 hours of Daytona itself is the kickoff race for the IMSA season. They jump right into one of the toughest races of the season. Now don't get me wrong, these teams haven't just been laying on the couch all winter. They've been getting after it, as they say. There's always some good racing, and this year was absolutely no exception. So let's hit the cool cars first. This year they introduced the GTP class, which is the new big boy class replacing the LMP1 with hybrid technology. These are all new chassis and technology. Turbo V8s over electric. Pretty cool cars. The usual suspects all joined in right away. Acura, Cadillac, and Porsche all jumped into the mix. They have been doing this for a long time. They knew exactly what they were doing. Surprisingly, BMW decided to jump in. They joined them after almost a 20-plus year hiatus. And it sounds like Lamborghini intends to join next year. While BMW didn't fare too well in their debut, they had one car that managed to stay at the front of the field and finished just 15 laps back at the overall winning Acura. Equally impressive was that these brand new cars were so closely matched that the top four cars, which was two Acuras and two Cadillacs, finished on the same lap, separated by only 11 seconds after 24 hours. I know I personally run sprint races that have similar gaps at the end of a 30-minute race. Just absolutely impressive from a mechanical standpoint as well as the drivers and strategists. To be that close at the end of 24 hours is not only stressful on the side of the team, it was incredibly entertaining as a viewer. Now sure, some of this was due to a number of cautions and several that were late in the race. The GTP cars were allowed to leapfrog the other classes and rejoin their field, but still... You'd have to be in position to stay on the same lap to get put right behind the next car. And I felt like they did a great job this year with the coverage. It was advertised as 24-hour coverage, and it was. You had to do a little channel hopping, but when I woke up at 3 a.m., I was able to check in and watch live for a while, which was really nice. I was personally following the LMP2 and the GTD races more than the GTP class for various reasons. One is you were force-fed GTP information because they were the overall leaders and passing everything else constantly, so you didn't really need to go out of your way to follow that race. And the other is because I feel like there have historically been battles in the LMP2 and GTD classes, and this year was no exception. Last year, a final lap battle developed in the GTD class between a couple of Porsches. They were so evenly matched, it was super exciting, all the way up to the end. There were numerous pass attempts and creative defenses right up to the absolute last minute. In the Le Mans chicane on the final lap, the P2 car sent it and there was minor contact. Just enough that the P2 car was able to take the lead and hold it to the finish. While that wasn't a clean pass, it was regarded as a racing incident as that was not the first attempt and it was certainly the last opportunity. I know I was screaming when it happened and I think I probably told as many people that didn't care about racing as did. This year, the GTD race wasn't as close, and the podium was fairly well set a few hours before the end of the race. Well, as long as everyone kept running, which in endurance racing is not always a given. What wasn't set to the end was the LMP2 race. I had a special interest in watching this one, as one of the teams was the CrowdStrike. 
They brought this car to the 25 hour last year and whomped on us. Now, that was your classic bringing a machine gun to a knife fight, but I had on track experience with this car and I had a true appreciation of the speed the thing was capable of. TV doesn't give you a real sense of what's happening. When you see that monster motor by you on the outside of an off camber blind crest in the rain, put a wheel in the air and then it's gone by the next corner, you go, oh yeah, that thing can move. Anyway, like I said, I had special interest in seeing how the team performed. They were looking good throughout the day and into the evening. 25-hour races typically have lead changes. Things happen. Stop strategies will get you shuffled to the front, but you may not be there at the end. What is really important is being where you need to be at the end. And that was exactly what the number 55 Proton team did. As I watched the final laps, of the 04 CrowdStrike and the 55 Proton car were on the same lap separated by several seconds. It wasn't an insurmountable amount of time, but it certainly didn't look like they would get to the 04 unless something happened. I've been in positions of both managing the gap behind me and being managed by the car in front of me. I know firsthand how frustrating it can be to be at the end of a run with little left to give, knowing that all I need to do is not blow it and I have the spot. Or feeling like I'm right there and I can just reach out and touch them and get by them, but I can't quite get there because the other car is doing the same thing that I would be doing to them. And so there they were, final lap, seconds apart. Remember what I said about the Porsche last year and the chicane? They had already gone through the chicane and the 04 crowd strike was well in front of the 55. Wasn't close enough to put an attempt at all. So all that was left was the drag race to the checker. Maybe at Laguna, Sebring, or any other track that they visit, this race would have been over before the checker, but not at Daytona. The super speedway didn't do the 04 car any favors. As they both exited the chicane, they had a back marker to get around. They made that happen rather quickly. Then it was just open track and adrenaline. The 04 was clearly a sitting duck as the 55 caught the draft and sucked up on the 04. But the 55 would still have to slingshot around the outside and push its own air to take the win. It didn't seem possible, but that's exactly what happened. The 55 squeezed around the 04 crowd strike car and took the line by a splitter. Some reports show it as a .011 differential and some show it as a .016. Either way, this was the closest finish I personally have watched in any of the 24-hour races. All of the things they had to do correctly the months leading up to the race, the effort that was put into the preparation and execution was just next level. A great showing by both teams, but ultimately, CrowdStrike lost the lead in the last few feet of a race that covered 2,899 miles. If you haven't seen the clips, take a look something that will sit with me for a while. It reminded me of the finish that Lucas Weisenberg and Casey Mayshore had at Willow Springs a year or two ago in the Specky 46 class. Anyway, enough talk about the big boys and their big boy toys. Let's talk about what's new with race car junkies and legacy. While race car junkies isn't all about legacy motorworks, it certainly can't be avoided. We have a lot of things happening here on a daily basis and some of that might be of interest to those of you working your way into road racing, or those of you that are already deeply rooted and just want to expand your knowledge. When we started this podcast, we had a rough idea of how we were going to structure the guests and the subjects. As we have gotten a few weeks in, that's firmed up, and I think we have something that works. Regular segments will include driver profiles, conversations with series leaders, and tech segments. We are certainly open to suggestions and feedback. If there's something you would like to hear about or somebody that you want featured on this show, reach out to us through our website via email, Facebook, Instagram, and we'll certainly see what we can put together. 
We'll be back next week to talk about thinning wiring harnesses, why you shouldn't be afraid of tackling it yourself, and what to do if that's out of the question. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Race Car Junkies podcast. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes. This episode is brought to you by Leap Consulting Solutions and Legacy Motorworks.